Well, it was, um, it was our hope to peel back um, all of the layers of our heart and to park us in front of the name of Jesus and to allow no other rival throne to survive. And so we are uh, prayerfully, as a body of people, celebrating the resurrection not only of Christ, but of our own lives. We are a group of people who are sitting in front at this moment of Jesus and joining with the refrain of heaven that He is the Holy One, the Beautiful One, the Glorious One, Jesus. And our our prayer isn't um, that you would have a good time this morning. Our prayer is that you would be seated before Jesus and determine what what you're going to do with Him. How you are going to allow His life to become your own. And how Christ will be life to you. The second chapter of the book of Galatians is really where our heart lies in the 20th verse. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So the life that I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a translation that I've um, memorized, maybe a little different than what you're reading on the screen, but the essence is this, that we're not solely in this room saying, Jesus, we love you. We are in this room saying, Jesus, we have died to ourselves and we are fully alive with you. Jesus, you are risen from the dead and God, you have resurrected us. So uh, Christ is risen, church. He is risen indeed. You guys um, are not necessarily liturgical, so here we'll practice that one time. When, when someone up front says Christ is risen, you respond with, He is risen indeed. And so this is a pretty beautiful moment for us, Jesus. You are risen. He is risen indeed. Man, that's good. Praise you, Father. So um, I want to just speak for a few moments out of the book of Ephesians, the second chapter. And um, I have a few thoughts for us to... Um, ask and invite Jesus to be himself for us. And so um, if you're in the room and a guest, we've been singing for a while. And, and if you're a guest, as Easter people who have fallen in love with Jesus, um, we are pretty well aware through the book of Revelation that there is raucous singing around the throne that happens for eternity. And so you just began to taste a little bit of eternity as we just cry out of the holiness and the beauty and the wonder of the living God. And in some ways and somehow in God's extraordinary wonder, he will resurrect our lives as well. We will eternally be seated before him. We kind of want to taste a little bit of the eternal right now. We really want to celebrate the goodness of who he is and to cry out of his beauty and his wonder and his glory because that's, that's our lot forever. And to, to, to just rejoice in him. And so um, in Ephesians, the second chapter, just some beautiful verses about who we are and who God is and what he has done for us. And I would like to share this in light of an account um, from the Old Testament. So would you um, allow me to be a little bit weird? And none of you need to amen that. But there's an Old Testament um, account that is, um, 
is not solely that we're Easter people, Jesus is resurrected, hallelujah, but we are Easter people, Jesus is resurrected, hallelujah, and he has resurrected us, praise you Jesus, and he purposes our steps for the sake of his name, glory to God. And so if you um, are walking into this room maybe for the first time, I would want you to know that Jesus is alive. That he has raised us from spiritual death and he is alive in us as followers of his. And he is purposing our steps for the sake of his glory. There was an Old Testament figure, her name is Esther. And Esther was um, purposed in life and the scripture is powerful when it says it this way, for such a time as this. And, and I have no doubt that God has foreordained every one of us to sit in this room, to live where we live, to walk in the, the sphere of our influence for such a time as this, for the sake of the glory of God. She was a young Jewish girl who was elevated to a Persian queen as her people, the Jewish people, faced genocide, faced extraordinary suffering and pain and sorrow. And she, she was right where she belonged. And she belonged in that moment for such a time as this. And I believe God has placed you and he has placed us in this room. And more importantly, in the places where you are and move about for just this moment. For such a time as this. For the glory of the cross of Christ. And here's, here's where we are and who we are. We are a people for such a moment of this to step into the redemptive story of God so that we might only, we not only experience our own redemption, but we become a people of redemption. I love Chuck Colson. This is my second Chuck Colson quote of the day. The first was in this, my small group. But here's what Chuck Colson says of us as a gathered body of believers, followers of Christ who understand biblical truth and are courageous enough to live it out, can not only um, in redeem a culture, but we create a culture around us because of the redemptive work of God in Christ among us. So God has placed us in this, in this city, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your work environment, in this room with these people surrounding you for such a moment as this, for the redemptive work of God in this world. And I am deeply grateful and expectant as a result. Our capacity, my first thought is this, our capacity to be a part of God's redemptive work isn't predicated upon the struggles that surround us. And why are we surrounded by struggles? But it is predicated on the war that is waged within us, the war for our heart, the war for the very essence of who we are, the war, as Paul says it in Philippians, the second chapter, you are working out your salvation from the very depths of who you are. And it is with fear and with trembling and with all that Christ, and listen to this, Christ works within you so that he can will and act for his good pleasure and his good purpose. When? For such a time as this. For such a moment as this, that we are seated in this world to be used by God for the redemptive work of the kingdom of Christ right now, today. Welcome to that, Easter people. We celebrate the resurrected Jesus and we celebrate the privilege of participating with him and in him in redemptive community. I don't know if that's what you came to hear today. I came longing at Easter to hear this purpose, God. 
I want to peel back everything in my life and worship the name of Jesus. And God, in the worshiping of the name of Jesus, I want you to guide me into this vapor or mist that I have on this earth for the purpose of the glorious name that will carry on for eternity. Jesus. And so our capacity to be a part of this is really predicated on this waging inside of us. In Philippians, or I'm sorry, and if, I love Philippians, by the way, if you're a guest. But in Ephesians, the second chapter, it says these words, But God, this is verse 4, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for us. He made us alive. Just pause there and go hallelujah. No, he made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in our trespasses. You and I are saved by grace. He raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So that... In the coming ages, he could display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And it carries on with the passage that you're very familiar with. For it is by grace that you have been saved. For it is by grace that you have been rescued into the redemptive story of God for the sake of God's glory. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not from works. So you have nothing to boast in. For we are the workmanship of God in Christ. And here's what we are created for in Christ Jesus. The good works, as Chuck Colson said, the redemptive community of the faith of God in Christ. To be walking about saying, Lord, you have foreordained these works, which God, by the way, prepared ahead of time for us to be involved with. So glory to God that we have been rescued into him, made alive for him. And I believe fully that there is a battle for that in the very soul of who we are, the very core of who we are, to just wrestle with us and say, what is it that you are about? The scripture describes us this way, and I, um, I wish that we were master planners and, and really had nailed this, but I love that Matt had his bride read the scripture that I was preaching from this morning and she backed up to a portion of that because here's what you have to understand about us. I begin in verse 4 that, that there's a great transition. Anytime you see these two words in scripture, you should lean in and begin to celebrate. Just go ahead and start. Just go and bring it, Lord, because two words in verse 4 change everything. But God... And she was reading the redemptive story. We have this extraordinary habit, even as followers of Jesus, to define ourselves by, I, I'm illustrating it this way, I just can use orange balls and you can fill your tank in this world by defining yourself by something or some person or some circumstance or some hope that you have or some ambition or some goal or some situation that has finally worked itself out or some promotion or some success and we tend to look at these and say this defines me and and we could even be defined by some problem or some death or some pain, and you rolled into this Easter morning saying, I am glad you guys sing, but I have no song in my soul. We are divided by, we are often defined by some sorrow, or some pain, or some suffering, or some loss. 
And the Lord just comes into this story and says, I am the but God moment, but God who is rich in mercy has made us alive, not out of the things we are defined in, but he has poured his life into us and he is mobilizing us for the sake of his glory. And the things that define us so poorly just begin to pour out. Because we are filled with streams of living water for the sake of the glory of the cross. But God, who has made us alive in Christ for the sake of his glory and for the hope of his name, the war that is waged for us to be people of purpose is not a war of something or some problem or some ambition. It is a war for the essence of our soul. And we, we don't walk around anymore going, look at, look at, that is waste and filth compared to the glorious ambition of knowing God in Christ Jesus. And we went on in our small group this morning to talk about the power of salvation and who God is in and through us. And, and our group talked about salvation past, that God has rescued us. And there was a point in time for every one of us in this room, God willing, if not God willing this morning for you that we looked at Jesus for who he is and said, yes, Jesus. And he did this. He poured his life into us and he became the only life that we had. There is no orange ball, no thing, person, place or goal that is life for us. It is Jesus. And he came and poured his life into us. But we also study not only salvation in a past moment, but salvation present. I've already quoted Philippians 2.12 that God is stepping in and he is working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we also studied in 1 Corinthians 11, I believe it was, salvation future, that God will be ever growing us in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I have no doubt that many of us walk in this room with the streams of living water inside of us, but the orange bowls of this world squeezing us as well. And there is no buck up people and be better message that answers that. The same message that rescued us from death, hell, and the grave is the same message that rescued you from your present circumstance and your future eternity. It is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we come speaking this at Easter, that Christ died for us according to the scriptures. He lived again for us according to the scriptures. He is resurrected according to the scriptures. The only thing that defines us in God and Christ is the scripture and orange balls are (laughs) gone. And I love this because I'm surrounded by things that attract me. And I long scripturally to fix my eyes on Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And if I can invite you into a story, it is not a story of a church that sings really well, not a story of a movement of people who do something or someone or some, I don't know, no song. We don't, we, here's what the sum of who we are is. We are a people who lift high the cross of Christ. And that's all. We boast in the cross, for in that cross, the world dies to us and we die to the world. 
We are a people who ask Jesus as we make our way through this foolish world. We are a people who say to Jesus, oh, that you would move within me as a stream of living water, God. Pour through me for the hope of who you are and the hope of who I could be, Lord. And so I invite you first and foremost, our capacity is this, to be a part of God's redemptive work. And it is not predicated upon the struggle around you. And I fear that many of us have allowed ourselves to be defined by orange balls, by the struggle that is around us. And there is a Savior. And there is a King of glory. And his name is Jesus. And I would encourage you to be filled with him. When God is moving through us, just quoting scripture, we are being transformed into his image made into his likeness. We are being brought from death to life. We are new creations and our souls are flooded. And the scripture doesn't just say, scripture, the the series has been redemption. It is not solely that God has bought us back, although that is pretty exciting for me. That he has bought me out of sin and shame. That he has rescued me from the peril of death. That he has placed me in the kingdom of the Son of God. That's beautiful. But in his redemptive plan, it's not just buying back our issues. It is mobilizing them forward. Calling us holy and righteous and blameless. Giving us inheritance with God in Christ Jesus. And I could go on and on and on. Glory to God for this day of Easter. And this rejoicing of what Christ has done in and through us. And so I encourage you, Ephesians 5 would say is this way. Don't waste your time being drunk with the folly of this world. Don't waste your time pursuing orange balls. Set them aside and be, here's what scripture says. Be constantly filled with the spirit of Christ. Drink deeply from the wellspring of his joy. And you will join in with the redemptive community. You and I are where we are. This is my second, this is my second thought for this message. We're here we're out where we are for such a time as this. Not to gain a thing, but to give everything for the sake of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Here's what Esther's cousin came to her. I would love, as they walk out on this, for you to just, just marinate in the, in the book of Esther. It's an Old Testament story that is prolific. Esther's cousin came to her and said, don't think for a moment that you have moved into this palace. Don't, church, think for a moment that we're Easter folks and it stays in this place. Don't think for a moment that you have been put in this palace. You have received this gift so that you will escape. You will not escape when all the Jews are killed. If you keep quiet... At this moment, if you are quiet in a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will come. It just won't come through you. Here's what I would say to you. God is working around us at all times. He is bringing his redemptive story. What an extraordinary privilege as people of Easter to say to the Lord, I want in this time for this moment to be a part of your redemptive story. And so, Lord, I come to you with open hands, with open mouth, and with open heart. Use me, Jesus. Mike Snyder's in the room and I heard him say it far more simply. Do as much good as you can every single day for the sake of the glory of God. For those that don't know Mike, I hadn't spotted him right this second. He's, Mike and Bonnie are living life out in Haiti going and every single day we're going to wake up and pour out the gospel. I think we can do that in Jacksonville. 
just flesh this out in very practical ways. Give your gifts. I, I love this thought. Give your gifts or they become idols. They become the orange balls that make up your life. And that is true for many in this room. Lest you think this is an Old Testament story, Jesus said, well, it was said of Jesus in Hebrews 13, 12. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. They were saying to Esther, if you stay in this palace, if you remain in your place of privilege, you will have missed it for the sake of the gospel and the redemptive story of God. If all we gain from Easter is a slew of songs and a nice orange ball illustration, we will have missed this Easter day. But if we gain to God, we must give our lives away. Therefore, this Jesus, who many of us in this room say we follow, he went outside the gate so that he could sanctify those by the blood of the cross. Give your gifts, lay it down. If your living is not about giving, you are in the point of dying already and surrounding yourself with the temporal. Lay that aside. I love this. They're saying, she's saying to Esther, give relief or Esther, you will find none. The invitation of Esther, the invitation of Easter, that kind of goes well. I never say that out loud in my prep. The invitation of Esther and Easter is to drink deeply of the streams of living water so that our soul could gain the water that soothes the soul of this world. I was reading one of my friends, his name is Bob Bob Bumgarner, he posted this on. God, I don't want to miss an opportunity and I want to give away everything. And I don't know if you think this way. Bob's friend does. He posted this um, last week. He said, I got off the phone with a longtime friend and he named him. He was recently diagnosed with a very significant illness that would carry throughout the rest of his life. And I asked him, what have you learned about following Jesus since this diagnosis? He said... When I got this disease, God didn't say, whoops. I learned in that moment that God gave me everything I need to trust him, even in a diagnosis that I wasn't expecting nor excited about. And here's the sentence that really left me undone and saying, Jesus, everything is for your glory. I want, here's what he said. I wonder what God will give me so that I can take full advantage of this diagnosis. You and I are here for such a time as this. I'm, I'm not inviting you to tell me what your, what your orange ball looks like, nor am I downplaying that it is significant. I am just asking this question for such a time as this. Where has God placed you to flesh out ministry, to touch the hearts and lives of others? And to say, God, I wonder what you will do with this diagnosis, this joy, this pain, this sorrow. For that is the cross. My third and last thought. The reason that you are in the gate for such a time as this is to leverage your life. So this isn't just, Jesus, you go do something good for us. Here's the scripture. The reason that you and I are inside the gate is so that we will go and leverage our own lives as well outside the gate. Lest um, That's a good preaching idea. Here's Hebrews 13. Let us go to him outside the camp bearing his disgrace 
For we do not have an enduring city here. You should hear that again. Let us go to him being Jesus. Outside the gate, we will bear disgrace on this earth. It will not make sense often, Lord. But we, we do not have one who can identify with us, nor are we putting roots down here. God, we seek a kingdom to come. My heart just shouted. We seek, Lord, something bigger than this 70-some, 80-some odd year journey. And for some in this room, 90-some. Lord, we seek a kingdom to come. What if we gave as a response to Easter, as Easter people, what if we gave ourselves the vertical saying, God, we glory you in the cross. We glory you. But what if we landed on the horizontal beam and began to see ourselves as one people who are rescued by grace, who were destined by destruction, whose inclinations are about flesh, whose nature were children under wrath. But God, this is every one of us who is rich in his mercy, rescued every one of us and put us on the beam of the cross so in the coming ages, he could display the immeasurable riches of God in Christ Jesus. And so what if that is our position as we make our way through this earth? That we are a people who are saying to those outside, come and find rest on the beam of the cross. It is a place of immeasurable riches and holy wonder. Come and find Jesus. Come and know him. The mystery, Henry Nouwen said, is the mystery of ministry as the Lord is to be found where we minister. Our careful people then becomes a part of meeting Jesus, of moving in that horizontal beam of the cross and the power of the resurrection to say, Lord, I want to move about in this earth for the sake of your glory. That's why Esther was not capricious when she has a reality of who she is and where she is in life. God has revealed to her that he gave her that position. He gave her that orange ball. He put her in for her a great place of privilege. For Bob's friend, a great place of diagnosis to say, I have placed you here to be outside the gate for the sake of my glory, for the hope of my name. And so don't default to your privilege and fault the circumstance or the privilege Move into the glory of the name of Christ and lift up that name and glorify that name. And here's how she answered. God has revealed to her that she's been given a position of privilege in order to give and serve. And her only reply was this. Yes. And if I perish, I love it. If I perish, I perish. To move toward others is to move toward Jesus. To move in the middle of our circumstances is to move for the sake of the cross. To be able to say, God, we really are a people of the resurrection. We really are a people who celebrate who we are and what you have done. And we constantly move outside the gate. And that means, that means that when we get together at Easter, um, we get together and celebrate the wonder of the cross of Christ. And then we start to ask this, God, where are you working outside the gate? For those of you that are guests, it's not unusual or weird. And we don't um, preserve this until Easter to do this. It's a normal thing to say, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Therefore, um, Jesus is at work in this world. Therefore, when calamity has struck another part of the world, it is a natural 
byproduct of our Easter gathering to give ourselves away for that. Therefore, Junior Martinez is working Yalco, Puerto Rico for the sake of the gospel. His picture can pick pop up in just a moment. Therefore, because we're worshiping here in Easter and his church has been knocked down, and therefore several hundred are there working for the sake of the gospel. We're nowhere to meet. We would respond from the stewardship and missions ministries of this church to say, we should have Easter. We should help redeem what God is doing in Puerto Rico. We should be a part of that solution. We should celebrate Jesus and we should send money to Puerto Rico. So welcome to worship. That's happening today because you consistently worship here. You consistently, for the most of us, give here. And we consistently can move that. And oh, by the way, if, that's, if giving and sending $1,000 isn't enough, we want to open a giving opportunity on the 15th because this church is extraordinarily generous. Did you meet Junior? It's a really bad picture, but that's the best I have. Thank you, Danny, for agreeing with that. And so, um, all right, I, ju- I just kind of moved to selling and saying, you... You should sit in services and say, God's given me the chance to get married. And if I get married, there should probably be some third world kids that rejoice. And so I'm going to sit in a worship service. I'm going to cancel my honeymoon plans. And I am going to instead take to a third world country. And I'm going to join with Mike and Bonnie. And kids are going to celebrate and party because Jesus is real to me. That happened a few weeks ago to one of our young couples who were getting married, and they just said, we should honeymoon in a third world nation. So I wonder, I wonder, just sitting here, because they're just sitting in a service, and this kind of struck them. I wonder what Jesus is inviting for you in your current context. I wonder what diagnosis has hit your life that you've never said, it's yours, Jesus. Use it. I wonder what circumstance has struck you that begs for streams of living water. I wonder what privilege, what honor has been bestowed on you and you have failed to recognize, perhaps even until this very moment, that God granted you that honor for such a moment of this so that he could be glorified in it. And I wonder, Rome, filled with friends, And most of us followers of Jesus, I wonder what we will do with the diagnosis, the privilege, the opportunity, the joy that is set before us. I know what Jesus did. And I am pretty sure I know what Jesus' people would do. They would say, Lord, if I perish, I perish. But I am in this for such a time of this. I believe fully that God can handle your grieving. Read Esther. God, I don't know how you're going to sort this out, but if you would use this for your glory, I would count it a joy. And he comes along and says, this is who I am. This is just me. I will, and I can. And I will pour streams of living water. Here's what you should know, that unlike this pastor, and his will run out, mine never do, says the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for Easter. Thank you, Jesus, for an empty tomb.
Thank you, Jesus, that we are not defined by the tomb. You have made us alive in Christ. It is for the sake of the immeasurable riches of Christ that we worship. You have brought life to us. And for that, we are so glad. Father, it is grace that has moved toward us. It is not our works that we have anything to boast in. It is the streams of living water that move in and through us. Praise you, Lord. God, I pray that we could place our situations and trials beneath the stream of who you are and have you flood it with your presence and your power. Oh God, that would be a beautiful Easter. And so we love you, Jesus. We boast in you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We rest in you, Jesus. We hope in you, Jesus. And that hope, according to Romans 5, does not disappoint. We are going to close our service just singing an Easter song. But it is a truly glorious day. We tend to close our services just in song and in worship. But also with hearts bent before God. There's an altar that is open if you come, want to just come and kneel and pray. As a response this Easter, we welcome you to do that, just to come before the Lord. There are orange balls all over this altar, just to come and lay it on the altar and say, God, in this, your glory. You may want to just grab a friend next to you and speak to the Lord together, or you may want to join in this glorious song for the sake of the gospel. Some of our pastors will be here at the front. Jesus, likewise, is ever-present in this room. And we simply want to have a time of closing song and opening hearts to worship. So would you stand with me and move as you see fit for the sake of the cross.